Welcome to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. I'm Lynn Wilder, and today is part four, interviewing Mike Wilder about his story from Mormonism to biblical faith. You know, Mike, part of Mike's story is in the book Unveiling Grace in the chapter called Breaking the Pharisee. Um, Mike, eventually I want you to tell us what that means, that <laughs> the Pharisee was broken. But last time you talked about what it was like to go to an LDS temple, um, how you needed to pay tithing in Mormonism. You talked about some of the callings you had. You talked about your three sons serving, our three sons serving missions for the LDS church. And then at the very end of the last podcast, you told us that your third son had been sent home from his Mormon mission three weeks early. Do you want to start there? Yes, uh, we'll, we'll get started. So you you have to understand, we were a very active family for like 30 years at this point. Um, well, not quite at that point, but uh, uh, 25 years or so. And really, really believe really, really believed that the LDS church was the only true church upon the face of the earth. And we were doing God's work by being LDS members. Um, life was good. Uh, I was doing well on my business uh, and I had to go in in Utah. My wife was a tenured professor at Brigham Young University um, and uh, no, no complaints. And so we sent one son to Russia, one son to Denmark, and Micah was originally supposed to go to Mexico City, uh, but God had different plans. And you can learn about that later on. But um, he ended up going to the happiest place on earth, Orlando, Florida, for his mission, because he had health problems in the MTC. Um, they didn't want to send him to Mexico City because uh, he had a collapsed lung, and that would not have been a good place to send him uh, at 8,000 feet. The MTC city. for Christians is the missionary training center where LDS mission missionaries go in the United States in Provo, where on BYU's campus to prepare them to go out and preach the Mormon gospel. Yes. So, you know, he left uh, the uh, MTC, uh, went to Orlando, Florida, and there he is running with around talking with all these crazy Christians there, you know, <laughs> people that had a good understanding of the Bible. And he came to the conclusion because he was being challenged by certain people about, you know, what does the Bible teach? What does the Mormon church teach? And he felt like, I've got to get a better understanding of the Bible. So he goes on this own unique procedure to prepare himself so he can have better discussions with these uh, so-called crazy Christians out there. And, <laughs> Although technically uh, it was a Baptist pastor that challenged him to just see see what the God of the Bible has to say. Right, about. right. And that's a beautiful story. You'll have to read it in Micah's book, um, uh, Passport to Heaven. It, 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 it's great. And I don't want to talk about that anymore. But, but he started studying the Bible like crazy because he wanted to prep himself so that he could really have an intelligent discussion with Christians about what the Mormon church is and that the Mormon church is really a Bible-based church. 
And so he starts reading the New Testament. And remember, there's no other Christians he's speaking with. It's just the New Testament, the Spirit of God, and himself in prayer. And he ended up, by the end of his mission, reading the New Testament and studying the New Testament 12 times. Now, I, I remember him saying that if Mormonism is true, surely it's, it'll be proven through the Bible. Surely I can find support for Mormonism in the Bible and then the, go back to this Baptist pastor and the other evangelicals and show them where Mormonism is true according to the Bible, right? That is so true. So he starts reading it and studying it and that he's going to be able to correct people when they say that the Mormon church is not a biblically based church, that it's as close to the Bible as anything and that the Mormon church teachings is supported by the New Testament. Um, but you can imagine what happens to you over that period of time. I just remember, you know, as, as we were getting halfway through the mission, as he's coming up on his, you know, the last six months of his mission, the letters he was sending home seemed different. Didn't it seem different to you, Lynn? Yeah, it really started early in his mission where rather than hearing that I baptized this person and I went down this street and I did this and this and this on my mission, he started sending us biblical scripture, didn't he? Right. That he was reading that was impacting him. Right. At the time, yeah. though, I I thought I understood that scripture and I kind of like, kind kind of dismissed it. Right. Right. I, I remember I was in the a high priest group meeting in the in the LDS church. And I remember talking to a friend and, and he says, How's Micah doing on his mission? And this is about six months later. And I said, Well, you know, it's really weird. He almost sounds like the Apostle Paul in his writings. I <laughs> I, I I would read him and it says, This is not my son. This this sounds like all this grace stuff and about Jesus and about, you know, uh, just different than what is taught in the LDS church. But I said, I, you know, but he's doing well, you know, he's having a great time. <laughs> so, so. Um, and I think technically probably the last two or so months of his mission, he had already, if, if I'm being honest, I think he had already asked us, right. To, to open the Bible and spend some time in it. But all of that came to a head a couple of months later. Right, right. Micah, the last three weeks before he was supposed to be sent home, he was sent home slightly early. And and again, you can read this about in his book, but very quickly, what happened is that on Mormon missions, when you're out for two years, just before you get to go home, uh, you get to explain or tell your testimony to all your other Mormon missionary peers that's in your, your mission uh, area. And you have a mission president that's over a given area. Uh, and again, he was in the Orlando, Florida mission. And so he was asked to speak at a training session one day about what he had learned on his Mormon mission. And what's interesting, instead of getting up there and all the missionaries would say this, and, and this is what I would have said if, if somebody said, well, what have you learned in the LDS church all these years? You know, you would say, well, I know Joseph Smith was a prophet. I know the Book of Mormon is the word of God. I know that we have a current prophet today. Okay. I know that this is the only true church upon the face of the earth. 
And last, that Jesus is the Christ. Those would be the standard things that you would say in, in a missionary uh, uh, a meeting, uh, uh, talking about the LDS church. Well, in every fast and testimony meeting, right. Mormon Church has been very clear. If you don't have those five parts of a testimony, you do not have a proper testimony. So if Jesus alone is all your testimony in, that's not sufficient for the LDS right. Church. Right. So what happened when he gets up there to give this spe speech or talk to the, the, the other missionaries, he spoke only about Jesus. He spoke about his relationship with Jesus and how Jesus has given him everything and that it's through his grace and our belief in him that we are truly saved, not by any organization, by a man putting their hands on their head, your head and making you a, a priest or baptizing you or whatever. It's your relationship with Christ that is truly what saves you. And well, that didn't go over real well with his mission president. And so, so again, um, making the story very short, he got sent home early. And what was interesting, while he was getting ready to be sent home, I got a call from my stake president. Now, a stake president is somebody who had authority over me. I was a high priest and I had responsibilities to, you know, the LDS church. And again, my stake president was my leader. Uh, not the bishop, but actually the stake president. And he called me up one day and said, Brother Wilder, we have a problem with your son in Florida. And I'm going, oh my goodness, did he get hurt? Was he in an automobile accident? What terrible thing happened? And I said, well, well tell me, president. He says, well, your problem is that your son has the spirit of the devil in him. And I'm just thinking, wow. My son, Micah, the, the, the one, you know, that was the perfect missionary going out of Alpine and he's got the spirit of the devil in him. So I'm, I'm floored, but again, I'm under the authority and I'm so well-trained that I never questioned the state president. I didn't say, are you kidding? Are you nuts? President, what have you been drinking? You know, it's just like, uh, I couldn't believe it. But again, I didn't challenge him. And so... This uh, runs into a problem about, you know, Micah coming home early. So, you know, we, we just waited for him to get on that airplane and come home. Yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> How did you feel about all that, Mike? Well, you know, I was confused. Um, you know, I mean, the, the boy was talking about singing praise to Jesus, okay, was giving him all the glory and says, well, do you know the name of our church is the Jesus Christ, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, they shouldn't get all hyper about that because, you know, it, it was taking away the authority of the LDS church. Uh, so, you know, they put him on an airplane three weeks early, early. He comes home on a Saturday night. We pick him up at the airport probably about 7 p.m. on a Saturday night. And the state president called me on the way to the airport and said, Brother Wilder, when you pick up your son, bring him to my office in Alpine immediately. And so I said, yes, sir. And uh, so what we did, we picked him up and we, we actually stopped at the house for just a few minutes. And then we came directly to his office. 
and uh, and you know Micah was a lot of unique things happened there um and Micah was released from his mission and there's a lot of tension there and he wanted Micah to come back to meet with the high council meeting Sunday morning at seven and since I had been on the high council meeting I knew that may not be a good thing to do at this point uh so we didn't take him in but we he, we basically the next two days we sent him home back or sent him back to Florida uh from uh Utah so explain why that wouldn't have been a good thing to take him in front of the high council if he's professing that he's saved by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone yes uh well that's that's the way that's not a pure teaching in the LDS church. You know, you are saved by the organization. You are, you are under the authority of, you know, theoretically the, the prophet. Um, and what he was teaching is that a person could be saved without being a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. A person could go into heaven uh, without going to the temple. And so it went against all the core beliefs that's being taught in the LDS church. At because, least the highest heaven. Yes, at least the highest heaven. Right. And we're not going to get on all those at this point, uh, maybe later. But but it it they lose control. See, it, it's all about control. So you you always are in a under the authority of some somebody else. As I mentioned, my authority, I was under the authority of my stake president and he's actually under authority of another person and so forth and so forth. And in the LDS church, you always follow your leaders, okay? Um, there's a song, primary song about that, follow the prophet, follow the prophet, he will not uh, lead you astray. And so um, well, his teaching just in the lineup, yes. Here's a good illustration about that authority. When you go to the LDS temple, and Mike and I were temple workers for, for 10 years, when you go to the temple, one thing you learn is that Jesus Christ does not resurrect you in Mormon theology. I, as a woman, would be resurrected by my husband, and Mike, as a priesthood holder, would be resurrected by who, Mike? Well, by some priesthood authority. You know, it could be my father if he became a Mormon in the hereafter. But it's always by a person of authority uh, above you. So, so you are saved in the LDS Church by your obedience to the authority of the church. Okay? Right. And saved, so it actually says in the Articles of Faith, you're saved by um, the laws and the ordinances of the Mormon gospel, right? Right, right. So you have right. to be within that, that system. Right, right. And yet Micah had read in the New Testament where there's no mediator between you and God, right? You have direct access to Jesus. And so that was one of the things that Micah was challenging, right? That whole idea of priesthood authority being needed. Right. And that, that's a huge change, a paradigm shift in, in coming out of Mormonism, because in Mormonism, you know, you are saved by the laws and the ordinances of the gospel, the Mormon gospel. OK, yeah. uh, it doesn't say you are, you know, uh, saved by your relationship with Jesus. It's, it's that organization that saves you. And so Micah 
when he spoke to the other missionaries, he said it was only salvation only comes through Jesus Christ and your relationship with him. So that contradicted everything, everything. It's in Mormonism, the, the priesthood, the temples, the, the prophets, the apostles, everything that was laid out according to all this structure was that was opposite of what Mike, Micah was teaching them. So he was banished, basically, you know, it, uh, I mean, they were going to excommunicate him, but, but uh, um, we think that was going to happen. That's probably what would have happened if we had taken him into the high council, because if we reported to the high council that, um, you know, it wasn't the organization that saved you, that it wasn't the prophet, that Joseph Smith was not a prophet, that the Book of Mormon is not the word of God because it doesn't agree with the Bible, he'd have been in big trouble, okay? So we bypassed that step, sending him back to Florida until we could figure this out. We were very confused, okay, about what was going on. Yeah, he already had a job in Florida, and so he had a place to go, and he began his life as a Bible follower, <laughs> a biblical Christian. Now, it was a little while after Micah left Mormonism that you left Mormonism. So, so tell us about this journey between Micah's encouragement to you to read the New Testament and what happened in your heart and in your life. Well, you know, that's interesting because, you know, we, after we left the um, state president's office and then next Sunday, in the, the next day, um, he spoke at what we call fast and testimony meeting at the, uh, the, the ward um, and talked, you know, that he's home and that he believed in Jesus. And basically that's all, all he said. Um, when we took him to the airport on Monday, uh, to to fly out to go back to Florida, you know, we knew he had changed, and I'm trying to figure out why. How how do you change so much on your your mission? And he didn't talk to us. He didn't debate us about doctrine or anything. He just said, you know, I, I'm a different person. And but what I like you to do, mom and dad, I'm not trying to convince you of anything. I just want you to go back and read the Bible through the eyes of a child. Get rid of your preconceived notions of everything that you know about Mormonism and read the words for what they say. Read it as though you're just a young child reading it and understanding and let the words wash over you and let the grace of God flow through those pages to you and find out what the Bible really teaches. And you know, I promised him that I would go back and read the New Testament with open eyes and with open mind. And, uh, you know, Lynn, you, you, were, you promised the same thing. And I really thought I had nothing to learn from the Bible. I had taught Sunday school classes about the New Testament. Um, I've, you know, been through things in the Old Testament and I've taught classes on the Book of Mormon. And I thought I was pretty well versed, but I promised him that I would, would do this. And, and, you know, when I promised him, I also promised God. And I said, God, you know, I don't know what's happened to my son. My family's breaking apart here. These are, these are difficult times. And I'm not really angry with anybody. I'm just confused. Like, you know, 
why did he give up everything he believed so quickly about the Mormon church? Well, it wasn't quickly, it was over a period of two years, but it seemed fast to me because he goes off on a mission and he comes back and he's a different person. And I said, if there's really something in the New Testament that I'm not seeing, open up my eyes, let me understand. And you know, when you pray to God and you're sincere, you know, it's like he was looking at me and saying, okay, you really want to know what's in the word? I'll teach you. You read my word and I will teach you what is there. And that's what God started doing. So it wasn't because I was angry with anybody. I was upset with this, the state president. You know, I still had my calling. I still went to church every Sunday for months and months and months afterwards. After Micah was gone, I was still an active member. I, I even had a calling called, you know, my position was I was the chairperson of the Redeem the Dead Committee in the LDS Church. And that means I'm involved in getting people to go to the temple. I went to the temple on a regular basis. You know, it's just like, you know, God put me in this situation where I'm trying to understand why my son changed. I'm trying to read the Bible and I'm involved in this calling that's all about the LDS church, about the pinnacle of the church of going to the temple, receiving your endowment and understanding what goes on in the temple. Yeah, I want to back up for a second to something. If you're a transitioning Mormon or you're questioning your faith, or you think you might want to keep Jesus and figure out who he is according to the Bible. One thing that really helped me at this stage was to set my three distinctly LDS scriptures aside and only look at the Bible. So I started with that King James version of the Bible that we had from Mormonism. And, and even in that one, there were all kinds of contradictions. Just reading the Bible and not looking at other Mormon scriptures, there were lots of contradictions with things that I had been taught in Mormonism for 30 years. And then after I read the Bible for a while, I actually got a newer version, which then opened a whole new world for me because the King James is somewhat hard to understand for some people. Having it in contemporary language was really good for me. It removed my Mormon glasses and gave me a whole new start. And so I recommend that. I know Mike still uses his old King James Bible from Mormonism. So tell us, um, we just have a few more minutes. Tell, tell me, what you read in the Bible that began to stir your heart, Mike? Okay. Well, again, um, you know, I still was reading the King James Version, but I still I still read other versions now. I, I use the King James Versions still today so I can communicate sometimes with Mormons because that's basically all our Mormon friends will do, um, that they, you know, they're they're locked into that, and so I, I want to be able to explain to them, and then wean them off, wean them off the Bible to, as you talking into like 
the English Standard Version, the uh, NIV Version, and so forth, because it just really helps you. Um, but it, what was interesting when God was working with me on this, uh, you know, I'm reading through different things. I, I'm reading through uh, the epistles of Paul, and then I started reading through um, Luke. And even though I had read Luke a lot, okay, as a, as a, a Mormon, I really enjoyed Luke. And I came up to this chapter 18 in Luke, okay? And this chapter was very, very, very unique because at that point, it really tied back to my current calling, what I had of a person that's going to the temple and a person who's teaching people to go to the temple and talking about the temple. You know, everything in Mormonism always leads back to the temple. And it's interesting how God will bring unique things up to you through the word. He'll bring it all alive in relationship to your situation that you have on the earth today. So now uh, I'm reading through the uh, um, uh, New Testament and Jesus gives a unique parable about two men going up to the temple. So here it is, you know, I'm involved in the temple, two men going up to the temple and you start reading this. And he said, two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and one a publican. Okay, so now we have two men Okay, unique men going up. And the Pharisee went up to the temple. And again, they're not in the temple. You have to go on Temple Mountain and imagine the temple there and being on temple grounds. And he looked up to the temple and he said this to himself. And he prayed thus, it says in the King James Version, he prayed thus with himself, okay? Which in his way of boasting, thank God, I'm not as other men are. Oh, perfect. Oh, yes. Perfect way to um, give them a little tease for next yes. time. All of yes. a sudden, maybe you're feeling uh, a little like one of those men or the other. Right. The book that Mike's story is in is called Unveiling Grace. And our ministry website is Unveiling Mormonism. Dot com. Thank you, Mike. We will finish up in one more part, in part five. Grace and peace to you. And may God bless. <laughs>